and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. You'd think prayer would be easy. Just talk to God. But what should you talk about? He already knows everything, and he already knows how everything will turn out. But he wants us part of the process, and he's shown us how. Lead teacher Randy Pope points us to target number one, God's honor, with part two of Ready, Aim, Pray which covers Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Thank you for joining us today. Last week, I kicked off a a new series. The series is one that many of you have heard in years past. It's called Ready, Aim, Pray. I introduced that series explaining why we would be doing it again in that We do have our journey curriculum that we use in our discipleship ministry, and uh, this series has been a part of that every year through the last 15 years. And I I realize how much we need to update it and to put it in a different sound arena than it's been when it was recorded that many years ago and so forth, but I want you to know that that's not my heart for doing this over. It's a good reason, but it's not the reason. I don't care how many times that you have heard this, if you have. I mean, I'm the one that gave the message originally, and I've been over it year to year. I I know it as well as anybody, and I can honestly, honestly say I am so thankful that I'm teaching this again. Just by me going back through it, what it's doing for me, even this week in my prayer life, has been very helpful. I hope it will be to you, and I hope you'll take it in that spirit as you listen again, perhaps, as you remember it so vividly 15 years ago. No, I know you don't, but, but uh, a lot of you have heard it on CD. But I hope this is going to be an important time. Last week, we talked about why pray. I went through three reasons that we should be praying. Uh, people ask the question all the time. We ask it ourselves. Why pray? If God already knows what's going to happen, if God determines, if he decrees all things that come to pass then really what difference does it make if I pray or if I don't? And so we addressed that last week. I hope you'll, if you weren't here, if you haven't heard that, be sure and get it. It's foundational to what we're doing. It's the why pray. We said there were three reasons. One was it builds relationship. Number two, it begets peace. And number three, that it brings results. And we walked through those three. I'd like for you to give your attention to the screen now for a moment. I want you to hear a story. This is not a story about prayer, but it's one of our families, the Hortons. Aaron and Allison have shared their story with us. They went through a hard time not too awfully long ago. But you're going to see how all of these three, relationship, peace, and also results, come about through what they've gone through. So uh, give your attention to the screens. summer of 2009, Aaron and I uh, moved back from Baltimore, Maryland, and I gave birth to my second son in September of 2009 and didn't quite um, recover. And after several tests and different procedures, three months postpartum, I was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer 
called gestational trophoblastic disease. Um, when they found it, I was stage three. So in the first year, uh, well, 2010, I went through three regimens of chemotherapy. I did two DNCs, uh, a hysterectomy, and two lung resections, and everything failed. Um, my doctor in Atlanta referred me on to the Blood and Marrow Transplant Center at Northside Hospital to see if I would be a candidate for a stem cell transplant. They originally thought I would go through two stem cell transplants, um, but that did not work either, and I ended up going through four stem cell transplants before I was able to beat the cancer. Through that process, you don't have an immune system, so I, um, in order to protect me and from germs, I moved away, I moved out of my home um, so that my kids wouldn't be limited to what their activity could be. I moved in with my parents in order to protect my environment. Um, so when I was not in the hospital, I was staying at their house. It was her second bone marrow transplant where I didn't think I would have a life in another year. Um, the cancer was so aggressive, the treatment she was going through wasn't working, or so it seemed. And I, I strongly remembered crying out one night to God, just in complete tears, saying, I don't know what to do. Um, I just want you to save my wife, heal her. For my, my one-year-old, my fear with him is that he wouldn't know me as his mother because I wasn't there holding him, um, doing all the motherly things that you would want to do. Other people had to stand in the gap for me and do that. I was sitting in my hospital room desiring so much to be outside and to feel the air and the sunshine. And I saw the birds flying and it took me to that scripture um, that how God even provides for the sparrow. And I went to my Bible to look it up and I kept reading and it said, you know, who by worrying can add a single day to their life. And I felt like God was speaking to me. It was not in my control. And I think I had to get to the point for me personally um, to say it's, it's in your hands. And I have a whole new outlook on the freedom that I have in Christ, that God is sovereign and I'm in His control. There's wonderful freedom in knowing that, yes, I cannot be separated from the love of Christ or His ultimate plan for my life. There was one scripture that stuck in my mind the whole time, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God will which transcends all understanding will be with you in Christ Jesus. I don't think you ever understand transcending and peace until you really go through a suffering like this. Because up until that point, you could always say, oh, you know, money's tight, God, please provide here. And it was when we were going through this where you literally do not have an ounce of control over what the outcome is going to be, did I begin to understand that God is over all of this and that He does have the control. When you begin to acknowledge that is when peace sets in. I am a year, about a year and a half in remission. My life has been extended, and I don't want that to be for naught. I want to use that um, for whatever way would glorify God. I love where we've gone spiritually. I feel like um, God lit a fire under our butts <laughs> and said, I've got plans for you. And that's why we pray right there. Now in Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me. This is known as the Lord's Prayer. It's from this text that we are teaching over the next weeks, five weeks, how to pray. Now we've talked why, now let's look at how to pray 
beginning in verse 9, each of the verses give a different target. Look for those targets as we walk through these few verses. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we read your word. These literally the words of your son given for us. I pray that we might learn from this prayer and that we might find our relationship much richer with you, a peace that passes human comprehension, and that we might see results because we prayed. So grant that we ask that you would be honored and we might be blessed. We pray in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Last week I mentioned that it was my goal to equip you through this series. I'll be preaching the Word of God, but at the same time, I hope this somewhat feels as if it's an equipping session, that you're learning how to pray, not just about prayer, but you are experiencing it, and you're learning how to pray with greater intimacy, with greater results, giving more peace, deepening relationship, and so forth. I, uh, I try to model, and I will continue to try to model, and I was honest last week uh, to share about my prayer life that I consider a very important part of my life, but it's real, it's not perfect, it has its struggles. And of all the things that I taught last week about prayer, the one thing I heard from over and over that they appreciated, you always say, oh, I appreciate how bad your prayer life is. I have just, <laughs> I just gained so much from that. That just helped me. I said, what are you talking about? Well, I think we all identify with struggle. And to realize that a prayer life can be a good prayer life with struggle. It's not if struggle, no good prayer. No, 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 not at all. And so we try to be real and understand prayer. Will your mind drift in prayer? Well, let me ask you this. When you're having conversation with someone else, does that ever happen? Sure it does. You ever find yourself before God and say, I don't even know what to say? Well, does that ever happen in a conversation with someone on this earth? And all of a sudden, you just, I don't even know what to say now. I'm out of thoughts. I don't even know what to say. Sure it does. And so the reality is we just want to converse with God. We want to talk with him. And in doing so, good things happen. I hope you're going to take this as a, an important part of your next five weeks so much that you would even do the homework. Small assignments, but I will every week give you a little assignment. and That's going to help you a lot. So I hope you will take to heart what we're talking about there. I'm going to say this over and over because you've got to keep hearing it. I think you know it, most of you believe it, but I want you to believe it deeply, and that is that we can pray more than we've ever prayed. We can pray with greater attitudes and motives than we've ever prayed. We can pray with greater results than we've ever experienced, and at the same time, God will in no greater proportion, no greater will he bless us in terms of acceptance. The blessing of acceptance is full and complete. That's the work of Jesus. He's done that to bring us into a relationship that cannot be any more accepted. 
The work of Christ has done that. But as those fully accepted, we can find greater intimacy and relationship with the Lord in prayer. We can see greater impact from our prayers and so forth. So we pursue on that basis, but not thinking this is going to earn me some kind of acceptance with God. Jesus has done that for us already. Now, in Luke chapter 9, not the text we're looking at in Matthew, but this is the other place that the Lord's Prayer is taught to us. In this particular setting, if you go back from chapter 11 into chapter 9, you find something very interesting has happened. And it sets up the request of the disciples to teach how to pray. Jesus is among all of his disciples. It comes dinner time, and there are 5,000 men plus the families. Who knows how many people? And it's time to eat. People are hungry, and Jesus is not finished. And so the disciples say, Jesus, we've got a, we've got a, a dinner problem here. What are we going to do? All we've got is a few loaves and a few fish, and, you know, what do we do here? And Jesus said, well, here's what we'll do. Let's bless this food, and then let's eat. And they had to look at him saying, what are you talking about? Bless the food, and let's eat. And he bows. He blesses the food. He has a prayer. And as a result of that, thousands of people are fed with the little amount of food that they had. You know the disciples had to have some discussions about that one. We need to be praying before our meals. This is pretty interesting. Have you, have you seen how Jesus, that was pretty amazing, wasn't it? Well, it was only eight days later. And we find that three of the disciples are with Jesus on a mountain, and it's when Jesus is in a prayer session. Can you imagine being one of those three? And we have it recorded that they're watching, and here all of a sudden as Jesus is praying, his face begins to, to glow. And his clothing becomes radiantly bright. And there is flashing, it says, of light as would it be lightning. And, and, and they're just awed, you know. And then who appears but Elijah and Moses from old. And then, if that were not enough, the voice of the Father himself speaking to Jesus. Now, can you imagine how these guys feel at this moment? Lord, you, you really pray well. This is really uncommon. That is amazing how you... Well, are we surprised at all that after just one other or two little brief stories and, and teachings, the disciples, one of the disciples said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? thinking, man, we would love to see stuff like that happen. There is something about hearing of answered prayer, watching answered prayer, that gives you a longing to pray more. That's why I'm going to suggest that you read some biographies or read books on prayer, either great prayer warriors about their lives and their stories and experiences or books about prayer because you'll just be so encouraged to realize that God truly does answer prayer. I was encouraged this week. When uh, one of my daughters, Rachel, reminded me of a story from her college days. She said, Dad, do you remember when the story I was in college and, 
And she went to Georgia. She was in a big class, a big auditorium class, and they broke it up into smaller classes, and each class had its own professor. So they had the big time and the small time. Well, she said it was in the, the smaller group that the professor gave the grades. And so she happened to be assigned to one of the professors that as they got in the first day of class, she said, I've never heard someone so foul mouth." It was the most vulgar, horrible language consistently. He even commented on his language and said, I know some of you probably can't stomach this, and if so, if you've got a problem with that, you can leave the classroom. Go get another teacher. But know this, if you stay in my class, you get an A. Well, now, I went to a higher institute of learning where you worked for your grades, but in this particular school... A little different. I'm, I know it's a little foreign to some of you that had good educations, but so she's sitting there listening to this, and it goes on and on and on. He, she said it was just so vulgar. She said, "You know what I did, Dad? I just, I just sat there praying, and all I prayed was this. I said, Lord, shut his mouth. Lord, shut his mouth. Lord, shut his mouth. I just kept praying. Lord, shut his mouth." She said the very next day. A different professor walked in and said, uh, I need to tell you that uh, your professor has broken his jaw and they've had to wire it shut. <laughs> True story. They said, but know this, that I will follow his policy and you will all get an A. So she, now, do you think her prayer had something to do with that? Is it possible that it didn't? Sure, it's possible. But I think it did. I think God said, you know what, I'm going to answer that prayer. Doesn't that do something to encourage you about praying? Well, sure it does. And so these disciples, they were encouraged to pray. And so we come to the beginning of Luke 11, and it actually says, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And this is the response of Jesus to that request. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. And I want to say this about the Lord's Prayer. When he gave this prayer, it was not given simply to be memorized and to be quoted. He's not saying just, these are the words, pray these words. Is it wrong to use the prayer and to quote it? Absolutely not. We use it in our worship often just to remind us. But it should be a reminder of the bigger picture of prayer. That's why I call this five targets. Because each verse gives us a different target to be praying. And as we come into that target, it's going to open to us a vista of all kinds of places to go in prayer. And you'll see how it is that people can pray for long periods of time and sometimes feel as if it's a very short period of time because you walk through this first door, the first target, and all of a sudden you see, wow, look everything that can be prayed about. You go into the second, you say, wow, look what's there. So I just want to help you explore. I want to introduce you to some of the broader aspects of each of these targets. Now, it begins in verse 9, and it says this. It says, pray then in this way, and it begins with what we're going to call a salutation. Our Father who is in heaven. Our Father who is in heaven. Now, I think that many of us would say that our approach to prayer would be, okay, it's time to pray. I got a few minutes now. Let me pray, bow our head, close our eyes probably. Then we say, dear Heavenly Father, and then we just kind of start talking. 
Is that wrong or bad? No. Can it be beneficial? Absolutely. There's a sense in which we pray without ceasing. We're constantly in an attitude of prayer, and we can just immediately have a thought and pray. But we want to go beyond that. At least in some times of our prayer life, we need to go beyond that, and we need to prepare well. Preparation is vital, and I think the salutation is given to us to help us do just that. Now, I'm going to suggest, as we look at this salutation and understand the preparation, I'm going to suggest to you that it may well be far more important to have one to two minutes of preparation, if that's all it is, and maybe only five minutes of prayer, than it would be to have no preparation time and to have 20 or 30 minutes of prayer. So I want you to think more about preparation than the prayer time. And the reason is because the preparation will change what and how you pray. So to help you understand that, I use an analogy. It'd be somewhat like, I use a hunting analogy. It'd be somewhat like a, a hunter. And he or she has a, a, a rifle and plenty of ammunition and goes out in the woods and just starts randomly just shooting toward the trees and around the ground, just bang, 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 reloads, bang, 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 shoots, 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 and then says, now, I'm going to spend the rest of the day uh, looking for dead animals. Well, chances are you're going to spend the rest of the day and never find any of those dead animals. And some of us in prayer, to use that analogy, spend our 20 or 30 minutes looking for dead animals in prayer, and it doesn't happen. We go, why didn't anything? Why was it so? Well, because maybe we didn't prepare well. I have a brother-in-law, Carol's brother-in-law, who, who um, is a big hunter. And from time to time, we've been at their house on a night before he's going hunting in the early morning. And I can vividly remember him, him uh, preparing for duck hunting. And, uh, man, you're talking about preparation. Uh, he could tell you all about what he's going to do, and he has, he has uh, these particular things. He's going to put out his decoys, and this is how he's going to plan to do this, and then he's going to do that. He's got his boat all ready, does this, and so forth. And he says, and I will hunt until I get my limit of ducks tomorrow, whatever time that may be. And I say, you know what, listening to him, I would assume with his preparation, his understanding of what he's doing, he's probably going to have a very good hunting experience. Well, many of us don't have that kind of experience in prayer, often because we do not prepare well. Now, here's how, here's how it goes, the salutation. Our Father who is in heaven. The, the term our is referring to all believers. When he says Father, he uses a word there that is the word Abba. It would be the best trans, uh, word best translated Daddy. As we would think of that as a very familiar, uh, familial term that we think of endearment and closeness and so forth, my Daddy, that's the term that's used. Now, you have to understand that would be offensive to most Jewish people because they had a belief that you didn't even say the name Jehovah of God, you even to write it, you take out certain the vowels, what we would know as vowels, and, and, and if, if you ever wrote it and had to discard that piece of paper, then you would burn it or you would bury it. It was just that holy, and so you didn't mess with the name of God. And here Jesus comes along and says, Daddy, who is in heaven. That would have been a shock. But he doesn't just say Daddy. He says, Daddy, who is in heaven. Heave on, literally, lift it up to say this is not an earthly father. You've got to think of this differently. This is 
heavenly Father. And as heavenly Father, control of all, over all, therefore sovereign and powerful, can do what he chooses to do. So though there is a sense of, of you know, identity and closeness in the term of Abba, there's enough reverence by the fact that it's heaven that we don't become kind of uh, chums with, fa- with the Father. You know, we just talk as if uh, you're just, no, 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 no. There's a holiness, there's a reverence, but there's a closeness. So what do we learn from this? I'm going to suggest two things that you note and carry with you as you pray. It's very simple. Remember these two things. Number one, that God cares. If you just remember that, that's the idea of Father. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. You realize that that speaks differently to different people. For some people, Father is a, an idea of affection. You think of a father and how affectionate and wonderful your father was. To other, it's a term of rejection. I was recently playing golf with someone uh, out of state, and, and we were set up with caddy and everything. And um, I, whenever I have that opportunity, I, I want to get to know the person and try to see if there can be some interaction. And maybe God will use me, and you never know. You know, here's just an opportunity. And so early on, I heard him, man, he was so vulgar. Man, it was just, and he just kept on and on and on. I started praying, Lord, shut us. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> but he, uh, he was so vulgar and, you know, talking about his homeland of Ireland. And he was a, he was a typical Irish caddy, if you know anything about that. And uh, so I started asking him about his, yeah, when's the last time you've been back? He's 44 years of age. He's single. I said, when's the last time you've been back to your, your wonderful land of Ireland? He says, I hadn't been back since I was 18 years of age. I said, really? I bet you want to go back, don't you? He said, not at all. Said, you don't want to go back to Ireland? Why not? He said, because there's a possibility my father's still alive. And I hate the man so badly. I don't know if I'll ever know if he's alive or dead when he dies, but as long as there's a chance he could be alive, I don't want to be in the same country as that man. And he told me a horror story of the abuse of a dad. Can you imagine telling him, okay, let me teach you how to pray. Just say, Daddy. And immediately he goes, I don't want to talk to my daddy. Well, very important that we understand that this father is different. He is the father who cares. Reminds me of this verse, Romans 8, 32. And that text simply says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? That's the kind of dad. A dad who cares. By the way, you know, God was so good. I, I got to the end of the 18th hole, and I could not find a way that I felt appropriate to talk to him about anything spiritual. At the very end, one of the other guys said something that I had no clue was going to be said that threw us into a subject matter that gave me a little tool that I knew from Express. And I used that little tool. 45 minutes, we sat down, and he said, could I even come to Atlanta to learn more? You know, why don't we do this? Why don't we talk once a week over the phone? And I'm sending him some booklets, and he's going to be interacting and talking with me and so forth. And I wouldn't be surprised this fellow comes to the Lord, and he shares his heart. He says, oh, I'm needing what you're talking about. I've been so far away from God all my life. You just never know, do you? 
But here's the idea. He didn't understand daddy. And you and I often, we don't understand it either because we've had some bad experiences and human fathers are frail. But this is that one who, if he would spare not his son Jesus, he's not going to spare anything, not one thing at all. So he cares. Secondly, it reminds us that he is capable. Number two, God is capable. Why? Because he's in heaven. He's sovereign. He can do whatsoever he chooses. You know what this tells me? That means that God can do anything. And because he's my father, he is capable of doing anything he chooses. And so everything that I ask, he will give it to me unless he knows something that I don't know that makes it not ideal for me to get it. Boy, if we can get to that point, wow, now we can trust God. Very important that we take both of these realities and think about them for a while. Why is that? Well, the Bible says in Matthew 7, 7, whatsoever you ask, believing you shall receive. Well, I think you know as well as I do. That doesn't mean that one thing. If you believe it's going to happen, it's going to happen. No, but that's one thing required to see prayer answered. And do you know that most of us do not naturally think that God cares the way he cares? In fact, I think many of us have a thought like this. I can't imagine how God could love me. I know how ugly my inside is, and he knows everything. How can he love me? That's how we naturally think. So we need to prepare and think, oh, I need to think on the truth because what I naturally think will not have me believing. And what do we think about God being capable? Well, you know what we really think is if I don't work hard, if I don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. And the truth is God says, no, 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 I'm capable of doing what you can't do. You can work as hard as you want in some arenas, and you can't do. You, heard, you saw the video. There was nothing they could do, medically or otherwise. Now it's going to be, we're going to lose her. But God had a hand in that one. And so you want to constantly be thinking the truth. No, the truth is God can and will do whatever's good for me. Now, that gets us ready. Now we can go to the first target. Well, the first target is a brief one. It simply goes like this, hallowed, hallowed be your name. Well, now the word hallowed simply means to revere or to honor. That's why I love this idea of God's honor. There's the focus. There's the target. It's God's honor. Now, how do we pray for his honor? It says that his name would be honored. Well, what is his name? Name simply represents who he is, everything that has to do with who he is. It, it's, the, it's the summary of his character. And so what we're saying is, God, I want your character as it really is to be known throughout this world. I really want that. Not the way people think about you because they're thinking wrongly about you, that you don't care and you're a bad God and you're hard and you're this. Oh, God, no, no, no. I want them to know you as you are. And so we look at the name and say, okay, well, what is his name? How has he revealed himself? Now, there are numerous places he's revealed himself by different names. I'm going to leave you with three to aid your prayer time. You can study and see other names and even broaden your prayer time. But these three, I think, are simple enough and easy to grab hold of. The first is El Elyon. It literally means the exalted one. El Elyon. Or maybe you put it this way, the most high. Another way to translate that, the most high. See, we hallow his name 
when we acknowledge his rightful claim over us. So here's a time in prayer we could just, as we're praying, say, Lord, you know, I want your name to be hallowed, and that means that you're the exalted one, which means that I should be really, you know, putting myself under your claim of my life. Or to put it this way, we do not know God as El Elyon when we see the God-ordained circumstances of life that are so painful and hard, and we begin to run from them as if to say, I'm not going to accept. I know I've got a relationship here that you've called me to, but I'm going to run away from it because it's painful. Or maybe it's bemoaning the circumstances of life that, you know, God's behind all that. Come on, I'm just going to gripe and complain about it. That's not seeing him as El Elyon. And so simply, it might be a moment where we would pray and ask God, forgive us for complaining and grumbling and not saying thank you for all things. So it can take us into a world of avenues to pray. Let's look at a second name for God, and that is Jehovah Jireh, meaning the provider, God the provider. Literally, the Lord will provide. We hallow his name when we trust him, when we say, okay, I've been living life as if I've got to do it on my own. And Lord, that's so, I'm sorry for that. And so this can lead to confession, even right there. Even though it's praising God, hallowing his name, you can do that through confession and say, Lord, I have not been doing that. I've been thinking, I have to make it happen, and if I don't, it won't happen. And when I've done everything I'm responsible to do and can't do anything else, that doesn't mean it's over. I don't trust you. I need to ask you and pursue you further. A lot of ways to pray on that one. Take you to the third, Adonai. The Lord, literally boss. The idea that he is Lord over us, so we hallow his name when we invite him to rule in our lives. Or to put it this way, we're not seeing God as Adonai when we are selectively obedient. Oh, I'm going to obey. I'm not going to kill people. That'd be wrong. Oh, I'm not going to do That'd be wrong. But on the other hand, run over your day? Eh, you know, I might do that one. I'll talk about somebody, slander their name because it's a good story and I know it's true and therefore I want to tell it and I don't care if it hurts them. I know that's wrong, but that's not that big a deal. No, that's not seeing him as, as true Adonai Lord, where we say, look, I am to obey you, not because I agree with you, but I obey you because of who you are, your Lord. And you can spend a long time just talking to the Lord about that one right there. So don't forget the first target. As you go into prayer, get prepared well. And then just walk through. Remember those words, exalted, providing, Lord or boss. And you do that, and I think you'll be praying for a few minutes. Next thing you know, you'll think, wow, I've been praying for this while, and there's still several more targets left. In fact, it's because the world does not hallow his name that we're going to go to the second target next week. And the next target is going to be thy kingdom come. We're going to pray about God's kingdom. It needs to come because the world is not embracing him as he is the exalted one, the provider, the Lord of the universe. So we're going to jump into that one next week, okay? Now, let me close with this. Just a few quick questions. Think about the last time you prayed, that you had a time of silence where you were alone with the Lord and you said, I just want to talk to you for a, a short season. That last time you prayed, 
Did you prepare for prayer or did you jump right in it? If you jumped right in it, then I think because of today, you're going to find your prayer life being enhanced just because you're going to prepare. If you did prepare, how well did you prepare? How did you prepare? Maybe you'll have a better feel now for how to get prepared using these few words, Father who is in heaven. Let me ask this question. What would you sense your greatest passion to be when you pray? Is it for the honor of God? Or might it well be just that we have our desires and our needs to be met? How much of our prayer time is devoted to his honor versus our needs? Which comes first in our prayer time? These are some great adjustments we can make in prayer that can make our prayer life a whole lot richer. And then our motive. Just to keep rehearsing it, what's our motive for praying? Is it because we think we might earn acceptance from God? Oh, no, I hope that won't be part of any of our motive. But we'll think about the acceptance we have because of Christ and his work on the cross, thinking that he wouldn't spare anything if he, would, if he wouldn't spare his son. Therefore, I'm in for good things in prayer. I want to model as we close in prayer. I'd like to model just a minute or two of prayer. And this is a way we can all, and I'll lead us all before the Lord in prayer, not just me, but all of us in prayer. And let's pray, preparing for a minute, and then praying the first target. And let's just see where it takes us, okay? Let's bow and let's pray. It is uh, a great privilege to be able to call you Father and to know that regardless of what our life with our fathers on this earth has been like, that you're other and different, that you are heavenly with all power, with all authority, and that we're part of your family. Lord, just to think that makes your son Jesus our elder brother and that we're brought into the benefits of being in your family all because of the work of Jesus. Thank you for being father. Thank you that we can call you daddy be close to you. And honestly, I, I know that we don't feel that close to you all the time, and some of us right now don't feel close at all to you. But we're sorry, and we thank you that we still are accepted by Christ and by his work, and therefore we're, we're going to draw near to you as best we know how. Thank you for your capability that you can do any and everything you choose. And Lord, believe in that. We just want to say, give us an understanding of who you are. Forgive us when we think that you couldn't love us. Forgive us when we think it can't be done unless we make it happen. May we find you, our God, cares and is capable. And as such now, we come to you and we talk. We're going to ask you first for your own honor. For your glory, before I'll say anything about my own needs or our needs here, we just want to come and want to express to you that we want your name to be hallowed. We want your character to be seen as you really are, not like people think you are. Lord, as such, we come before you and we claim you're the exalted one. And Lord, we want to apologize where we have been running from your ordained circumstances of life grumbling and complaining. God, forgive us. You're the exalted one, and you need to be honored for all you do, not just what we like, what you do. So 
Will you be honored? And Lord, we would ask that you would, you would work in our hearts and lives as provider, that we might see you as the great provider, God. Ask you to forgive us where we have failed to trust in you to provide and rather trusted in our own effort, particularly in the moral arenas where we've used willpower instead of your power. Forgive us for that. You're the great provider. Please provide for us. And Lord, we acknowledge that you are Lord, you're Adonai, and as such, we want to submit to you. We want you to rule our hearts. Forgive us for the selective obedience where we've been saying it's little, it's not that big a deal, but it breaks your heart. Lord, we want you to know we want to follow you whether we understand, agree, or not. And so, Lord, all this to say that we are thankful. We're thankful that we get to honor your name. May that be the passion of all of our lives this week. We pray now your kingdom to come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. And, Lord... Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. And Lord, do deliver us from the evil one so that we won't be led to temptation. We know how important that is. Lord, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. We pray all of this in the name of our elder brother, the one that provides the means for us to talk to you, even our Jesus. Amen. Homework assignment. Your homework assignment is to practice the salutation, getting prepared, and the first target, God's honor. You know a little bit about it now, so delve into that arena, practice in that arena. Then I want you just to explore, without any teaching yet, I want you to explore God's kingdom. How would you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? However you find it, just pray and see how that goes in the next week. We'll teach on that. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia, with services Saturday night at 6 and Sunday morning at 9 and 1045. Please visit our website for more information at www.perimeter.org. Be sure to visit the media resources section to give us your feedback and find other messages from our teaching team.